Hello and welcome to the We're All Stories podcast. Stories are who we are and what we leave behind after we go. I hope you enjoy this one I put together for you today. We are taking a break today from Le Chasson de Roland to take some time to honor our fathers with stories about fathers from around the world. Our first story is pretty well known. It comes from the Bible, Luke chapter 15 to be exact. Most of you will likely have heard it, but here goes. The story of the prodigal son. Once there was a wealthy man with two sons who would inherit all his wealth when he was gone. The younger son asks for his share of the inheritance now so he can make his own way. The father concedes and the son leaves him to do his own thing. The son lives lavishly, spends freely, and parties hard. One day, famine strikes and the son finds that his money is gone. With nothing left, he finds work feeding the pigs of a nearby farmer. He sees these pigs are eating better than him and he is so hungry that those slops the pigs are eating, they're starting to look like a feast. He starts reminiscing about home, thinking to himself that even the servants in his father's household have all they can eat and more. He decides to pack up and move back home, begging his father for a job as a servant because he is no longer worthy to be called his son. The boy sets off, and while he is still a ways away, his father sees him in the distance and the old man runs full speed to meet him, weeping and throwing his arms around his lost son. The son starts to give the speech he had prepared about how he had erred and was no longer worthy of being called his father's son and is about to beg to be hired on as a servant when he is interrupted by his father, calling for his servants to bring the finest robe he has to clothe his wayward son, rings for his fingers and sandals for his feet. He calls for the fatted calf to be slaughtered and prepared for a feast to celebrate his son returning home. The other son, seeing this, becomes angry. He had stayed at home and was the good son, but he never got any parties like this. The father goes out to him and asks him to join in the celebration. When the elder son tells his father just why he is boycotting the party, his father replies, You are always with me and all I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Though the younger son had hurt his father by leaving as he did, the father forgave him and welcomed him back home again with open arms. He did not love the older son any less. He was just ecstatic that his younger son had returned. The next tale is from the Jewish tradition and is called the story of the half-blanket. Once, there was a wealthy man. He had one son whom he loved dearly and cherished every moment of watching his son grow up, teaching him the art of his business and seeing him grow to a man right before his eyes with fatherly pride. One day, when the father was quite old, he decides to retire. He gives over the business and all he owns to his son, trusting that just as he had provided for the boy, his son would take care of him. The son was thrilled. He thanks his father profusely and takes over the business. The son cares for his father and honors him. At the end of every day, he would come home and tell his father all that had happened. 
keeping him updated on how the business was going and listening to his father's advice. As time goes on, the son talks to his father less and less. He grows angry whenever the father tries to offer him advice, saying he knows what he's doing, and now he has no use for the thoughts of an old man. This goes on until one day the son says, Look, I don't need your advice and I already own everything you have, so I really have no use for you. It's time for you to go. The father at this point is really old and feeble and can no longer care for himself. He asks his son, but where should I go? I am too old and feeble to make my own way in the world. The son only responds by saying he had better be gone by morning or he will have the old man thrown out. So the old man leaves and takes to begging. One especially cold day, the old man happened to notice his grandson playing in the yard. He begs the boy for a blanket so he would not freeze to death. The little boy runs to his father and tells him about the old beggar who claims to be his grandfather and asks his dad for a blanket to give him so he will not freeze. The man says fine, whatever, and tells the boy to get that one old moth-eaten blanket from the attic to give to the beggar. The boy thanks him and runs up to do as he was told. After a while, when the boy had still not returned from his errand in the attic, the man goes up to check on him. He sees the boy with a knife struggling to cut the blanket in half. He asks the child, what the heck are you doing? His young son replies that he is cutting the blanket in half so he can give half of the blanket to the old beggar and keep the other half to give his own father when he is old and forced to beg. Moved, the man rushes out to where the old man was waiting. He hugs him and says, Forgive me, my father, for what I have done to you. You deserve my gratitude and honor for what you have done for me all these years. I have forgotten the honor that you deserve. Please come in and be in your home once again. The old man forgives him and follows his son into the house. That night, the old man is sitting, warming himself by the fire. His grandson comes over, holding the two halves of the blanket. The child climbs onto his grandfather's lap. The old man takes the pieces of the blanket and lays one across his own lap to keep himself warm while he wraps the child up in the other. He holds his grandson close and tells him stories until the boy falls asleep. This is how it was all the rest of the days of the old man's life. We mustn't forget to honor our fathers and to take care of them. But at the same time, fathers, remember the example that you're setting for your children. We'll be right back after these messages. Ever listened to a podcast and thought, hey, I bet I could do that, but then wonder how to go about it? I know I did. And then I found Buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout gave me all the tools I needed to succeed and sound great. By starting a free account, I was able to publish my work and they even got me connected to all the major podcast directories. 
By upgrading to a paid account, I was able to keep more content on there, and I got access to their aptly named Magic Mastering Tool. Your material is run automatically through this program, which balances the individual segments, so it all sounds the same throughout and flows smooth. This is a must if you're recording in segments. If you use the link in the description, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card for signing up for a paid membership. If you're passionate about something, get out there, share it, and let Buzzsprout do the rest. Make sure to check out our Patreon page. When you donate to this podcast, not only are you showing your support, but you are also getting access to special notes, polls to help pick future episodes and merch, as well as recipes to go along with the episodes. So check it out. And now, when you pledge $25 a month, we will send you your very own Raven's Wing mug. Follow the link in the show notes to take a look. And now, back to the show. My final story comes from Japan and tells of the perils of disobeying your parents. A long time ago, in Nara, Japan, there was a man named Koma no Yukimitsu. He was a dancer devoted to the Kasuga Shrine. He had learned the Katen dance from his father when he was a boy of 15. He had listened well to his father, honoring him as he danced for the god of the shrine in his father's stead. One day, Yukimitsu falls terribly ill. His breathing is labored, each breath is harder than the last, until breath ceases altogether. The boy is taken to the palace of Ema, the lord of hell. When he arrives there, a majestic-looking man comes in and declares that the boy has served him well since he was only a child, and asks for his release. Ema assents and releases the boy's spirit to the resplendent gentleman. As they were leaving, the boy thanks the man and asks him who he is. The man replies that he is the god of Kasuga Shrine, the same deity whom the boy had been dancing for all these years. On their way back to the mortal realm, the god asks the boy if he would like to stop and see hell before they return, and do a little sightseeing. The boy eagerly responds, yes please. He goes with the god for a tour of hell. He witnesses so much pain, suffering, and torture that he can take no more. He begs the god to tell him how this place can be avoided. The god replies, be good to your mother and father. That's the highest virtue. If you cultivate it, you won't fall into hell. Whether Yukimitsu was real or not, Kasuga Taisha, that is Kasuga Shrine, is a real place in Nara, Japan. It was originally built in 768, but has been rebuilt many times over the years. It and the surrounding deer park are a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It is famous for its lanterns, over 3,000 stone lanterns leading up to the shrine, and its fabulous bronze lanterns inside. These inner lanterns are donated by individual people and families. 
Their names, as well as the name of the kami they are an offering to, can be seen written on them. These lanterns are only lit twice a year for lantern festivals, known as Montoro. The first is Setsubun Montoro. Montoro is made up of the kanji, man, meaning 10,000, and toro, meaning lantern. So, Montoro means literally 10,000 lanterns. Setsubun is from the kanji setsu, meaning season, and bun, meaning division. This is the last day of the old season, and is a celebration of the new one to come. Setsubun now typically refers to the transition into Rishu, or spring, on February 3rd. The second Montoro is Chugen Montoro, celebrated on August 14th and 15th. The lanterns are lit in honor of Obon, the ghost festival or festival of the dead. During this time, the souls of the departed return to visit their families. Traditionally, lanterns are lit, including those at Kasuga Shrine, to illuminate the way for the dead and to provide a guiding light to help them find their families. This day is also recognized by the traditional bugaku dance and courtly music. The second day of the festival, lanterns are again lit to help the spirits find their way back to the spirit world. For this day, the Shinto ritual Kagura dance is performed. The shrine is devoted to four Shinto kami or divine spirits. Ame no Koyane, Himigami, Utsunushi no Makito, and Take Mikazuchi no Makito. During the Asuka period, in the 6th century, Buddhism makes its way to Japan from China. Up till then, the Japanese had followed the Shinto religion. When they hear the teaching of Buddhism, they accept both religions as true. Many shrines are linked to both Shinto and Buddhist deities. This is referred to as Shinbutsu Shugo, or the syncretism of Kami and Buddha. Syncretism is a merging of different religions or philosophies. Kasuga Taisha at some point becomes devoted to a great spirit, Kasuga Daimyojin. Daimyojin literally means a great spirit. This combines the Kami of the shrine into one great spirit as well as their Buddhist counterparts. Later, a fifth spirit, Ame no Oshikamune, said to be the child of Ame no Kuyane and Himegami, is added. Syncretism was the way of life in Japan until the end of the 19th century, when the Meiji government passes laws allowing a separation of Shinto Kami from the Buddhist Buddhas. If you recall, I made mention earlier that there was a deer park linked to the shrine. But what's up with that? Well, according to Shinto, deer are considered sacred messengers of the kami. So this sacred forest was set aside as a preserve where these messengers of the gods are free to wander. In fact, this shrine, when it was originally built in 768, was to honor Takemikazushi when he rode to the top of Mount Mikasa being born there on the back of a white deer. It is said that this kami rode there from Kashima Jingu Shrine in Ibaraki in the Kanto region of northern Japan. He travels there to be the protector of Nara. He becomes the first kami of Kasuga Shrine. 
Hakimikazushi is a god of thunder and of swords and martial arts. He is also said to be the inventor of sumo wrestling. The first sumo match is said to have been between Takemikazuchi and the Kami Takeminakata to decide who would rule Japan in Izumo. Takemikazuchi easily wins and takes control of Izumo. This story is recounted in a Kojiki, an account of ancient matters. The scroll was dated to 712. These scrolls are a collection of the oral traditions including genealogies, historic and semi-historic events, as well as myths and legends, set to paper and recorded for the first time in writing, similar to what we see with the sagas and the Eddas of Scandinavia and the Chasson of France. Remember to respect and honor your fathers and father figures. And to all of you fathers out there, have a happy Father's Day. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been the We Are All Stories podcast, a production of Ravenswing Studios. This story was researched, written, and read by me, David Huncherick. The music was written and performed by the supremely talented Brian Berger. If you liked what you heard, give us a like on whichever podcast directory you use. Doing a podcast is a real labor of love. A lot of time and effort goes into making this for you. If you would like to continue hearing new stories every two weeks, please consider supporting us through our Patreon page.